No, we've got a we've got a good crew uh, uh, out there today uh, helping with the Habitat House, and uh, I want to thank them for uh, for doing that and giving of themselves today. Uh, and uh, to all the people that came yesterday uh, and helped with giving away food, uh, we gave away a 53 foot uh, semi truck full of uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, I, I might be wrong, but there might even still be some lettuce. Uh, out here on the end, outside, on a pallet, if you need some, you're welcome to take some. Uh, might feed it to your animals. I don't know if you'd use it in your salad for lunch today, but, uh, uh, but uh, no, seriously, we, we're, we're very thankful for everybody that came and served. Uh, I'm always amazed when we do those things, um, just at the opportunities that we have to just get to talk with people, get to pray with people, uh, the ministry that gets to happen one-on-one, uh, just because of, you know, being willing to uh, give away food. Uh, just, I mean, people people line up. I mean, you should see it if you've never been to one. Uh, in fact, if you've never been to one, the way it works is people come and they sign in and then they hang out in here. And then as we have the, have it all set up, it basically sets up where it snakes through all of the hallways and goes out the other end of the building. And we have shopping carts that we borrow from one of the local stores. And uh, we put some of our people with each person that goes through. We'll call them our personal shoppers. And the goal of a personal shopper is that they get to know that person going while they're going through the line, taking that time, like finding out some things about them. And then at the end of the line, the goal is that they could pray for them. And they just say, hey, how can I pray for you? Can I pray for you today? And, and if so, how can I pray for you? And so uh, then they pray as they're putting the, car, the, the food in their car and that kind of thing. And, and, and you would just not believe you know, the ministry that happens from there. Some of my, some of my favorite moments of being here at this place and this property is when I have when we're doing that and I have walked outside and I've seen all these people like just random people with with people at their cars and out here in the parking lot random people at their cars just praying just praying with these people people that they, that they didn't even know 20 minutes before uh, they're praying with them just just awesome awesome stuff so um, anyway, if you, if you get a chance to ever be involved with that, I highly encourage you to do it. Highly encourage you to bring your kids. My kids come, and my kids love serving uh, and getting to do that. And, and we always have our opportunities for them to do that. And, uh, and then some kids just run around like crazy, and that's fine too. It's all good. We, we like it all. So, But yeah, well, uh, let's, uh, let's get into this today. We're going to Mark chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. And uh, we uh, would love for you to uh, follow along with us. We, we also, I'll make mention of this too, since we're kind of talking about some ministry things. Uh, and I'll talk about the ushers coming in just a second. Uh, uh, we've, got, we've got a family in need this week. Um, if you would be interested, this coming Saturday, uh, we've got a family that uh, is needing uh, help with some, uh, needing to move some stuff, packing some stuff and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of detail to it. Uh, Josh Hudgens, who's one of our deacons and is also an usher, is going to be passing out Bibles over here in just a minute. You'll see him. If you'd like more information, I know he could probably tell you more after the service today. You can hit him up. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough situation. I'll just put it that way. And he can give you more detail uh, on that uh, as uh, you get to talk to him. If you've got time this coming Saturday, maybe to help. Uh, this is a family in our church, okay? Uh, but yeah, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh, we're going to Mark chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers would be glad uh, to uh, bring you one uh, and give you one. If you don't own one, you can keep it. Uh, if you just need to borrow it, that's perfectly fine. We'd love for you to have it. We'd love for you to follow along with us in Scripture this morning, Mark chapter 3. And uh, we've been talking through, uh, you know, a good bit 
of uh, Mark 3 already and just kind of following along in the life of Christ and what is going on here and uh, all of that. Um, also, go Preds. Uh, and, uh, yeah, sorry. And, uh, and then... Uh, uh, as as we've seen as we've seen Jesus coming through uh, the stuff that that uh, he's been doing he's been he's been healing people and he's been and he's been uh, ministering to people in all these different ways and and to be honest with you and he's been, and he's been teaching things and to be honest with you he's making the religious people very nervous they're so nervous they're so nervous they have basically uh, they have basically gotten to a point where they're literally. Uh, getting together with their enemies to try to come together against Jesus to literally destroy him. We see that, talked about that a couple weeks ago in the passages before this, um, and uh, where they get together with the Herodians. Well, those were the guys that, you know, they were Herod's supporters. Uh, and, and, you know, basically, you know, the Herod supporters didn't, you know, were afraid of, you know, this new possible king that he might overtake Herod. They, they weren't even thinking about the right kind of king. And kingdom. Uh, that's not what Jesus was talking about. And then, uh, and then uh, these guys that were the religious guys, well, you know, Jesus comes and he starts teaching all this stuff. It's like kind of coming against some of the things that they've believed. And here they are, the guys that were supposed to have everything all right. You know, you ever know, you ever know any of those people like they, they know it all. You can't tell them, you can't tell them anything kind of deal. Uh, you know, these were some of those guys. And they, they thought they had everything figured out when it came uh, to their religion and to God and all this kind of stuff and the scriptures. And so, you know, when Jesus came and he starts teaching this stuff, uh, it starts making them nervous. And they start getting mad because they want people to look at them as being the specialists. And so this was kind of calling them on the carpet a little bit. And uh, so it makes for a bit of a hostile situation. So hostile that these folks have gotten to the point that they are, I mean, they are grasping for straws. I mean, they are looking for anything possible that they can come up with as a possible, like, hey, let's call Jesus this name, or let's, you know, let's say he did this, or whatever, and let's, you know, let's try to tag on something that's going to hurt him and keep people from wanting to listen to him on top of trying to destroy him. So here we have... In Matthew 3, verse 22, this passage where they come at Jesus and they make some accusations. Let's look at, let's look at it. Verse 22. It says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. So let's, let's hit the pause button on this for just a second. So the scribes, this is the religious elite. These are the guys that, you know, they've got it all figured out. And they're coming, and they come, and they basically get to Jesus, and they, they basically accuse him of being possessed by Satan. Okay, that's you know another name, Beelzebul's. This is, uh, uh, I think it's Hebrew for accuser, and this is talking about Satan. Okay, and we, we know this very clearly, and also by what he's saying here. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. So basically, they come and they say, this guy Jesus, he's not what you guys think he is. In fact, this guy, Jesus, he's possessed by Satan, and he, because he's possessed by Satan, is why he's able to cast out these demons. So basically, they're saying Satan is using him to come against himself. (laughs) 
That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what's going on here. In fact, we'll just keep on going. It says verse 23, it says, And he called them to him and said to them in parables, of course, parables. I, I would love to live my life just instead of answering questions or having normal conversations, just telling people stories. And just at random. My dad does this to me sometimes. It's so random. Like, you ask anybody that's on staff with my dad at, at Jolton, and uh, they'll, they'll tell you, like, sometimes they don't know what he means. Like, he'll, like, they'll ask him a question, and then he'll tell a story, and then when he's done, he just walks away, and you're like, I, I don't know what any of that just meant. That's been my life for 41 years. So, uh, so Jesus answers them in parables, says this, says, how can Satan cast out Satan? <laughs> How can Satan cast out Satan? Well, first of all, let me, let me just throw this little nugget of joy at you. I really believe in my heart. <laughs> I really believe in my heart that whenever Jesus says the name of Satan, <laughs> that Satan himself probably falls on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, you know, how can Satan cast out Satan? And, and I, like in that moment, I just can't help but like picture like when, when Jesus says that to them, and maybe even when we're, when we're sharing it in Scripture today, I don't know, that, that like the first round, Satan's kind of like, oh, you know, and then like the second one's like the knockdown punch, you know? But he says, how can Satan cast out Satan? Verse 24, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. So Jesus brings about a little common sense here, and he's talking civil war. He's talking, he's talking something that we already know, something that we already understand, and that's that a kingdom divided against itself, fighting against itself, will destroy itself. A house. He, brings, he makes it very personal here, which is pretty interesting. He says, in a house divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If a family comes against itself, that family will not be able to stand. And then he goes on to Satan. He says, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he's coming to an end. So this is interesting because, uh, you know, they're, they're making this accusation to Jesus that he's possessed by Satan and that Satan is using him to come, come against himself, to cast out these demons going against the, you know, Satan's kingdom, so to speak. And, and then, you know, but Jesus is like, so if you're right, then Satan's coming to an end. And... I'm here to tell you, and I, I'm here, and if we remember, he's been coming with this message that he has come to bring and usher in the kingdom of God. You know, of course, this is, this is something that we, we don't think a whole lot about a lot of days, but I think it's something that we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about it constantly, is the kingdom of God. Like, what, what, what good is, are we about and doing for the kingdom of God? Now, we're great about our kingdoms. Like, we, we, we can set up our kingdoms all day long. You give some kids some blocks, they're going to they're gonna build a thing. One of my kids built something with blocks a couple days ago. A few minutes later, I hear the crash and then the crying. And you already know what happened. Another kid comes along, blocks are going down, you know? We're great at building our kingdoms, but the truth is, is, is that this life isn't really meant for our kingdom. 
It's meant for His kingdom. How can we be about the building of the kingdom of God? And Jesus has come to usher in that kingdom. And in ushering in that kingdom, He is intending to overthrow the kingdom that stands in this world. That's good news for us, by the way. So He says, but is coming to an end. Talking about Satan being divided against himself. Verse 27. Here comes the parables. It says, But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed, he may plunder his house. Don't go to a strong man's house to rob him unless you've got an upper hand. You know he's not home. You know that he's uh, drugged. You've somehow managed to tie him up. You know, whatever it is, you know, Jesus is making this point. You don't go to the strong man's house and expect to not get whooped. You know, I can't help but being, because of being a child from the 80s, when I think of the strong man thing, I think of Mr. T. And praise the Lord, my kids have been watching the A-team this week on their own accord, which has been awesome. So, I pity the fool. And you didn't mess with Mr. T back in the day. The man picked up cars. You remember that? He just randomly picked up cars. And you're like, I remember being a kid and going, he picks up cars. You don't mess with him. You know? And it was, had to be rigged that he, you know, that he didn't get beat by Rocky, right? And I love Rocky. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about Mr. T, you know? Picks up cars. So, you know, the idea that Jesus is trying to help us to see here is very important because Jesus is making a huge statement. Jesus is using this parable to try to help us to see something, which is what He's been saying all along of why the reason that He has come to begin with. Why did He come? To bring the kingdom of God. Okay, so what's that have to do with, this, with, the, with the strong man challenge deal here? Well, let's read it again. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus is saying, you're seeing Satan as the strong man, and I'm here to tell you, I've come, and I have bound him up, and I am taking over the house, and I am taking back what he thought was his, which is us. That's what Jesus has come to do. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came, Satan and, and, and many people, especially at that time, really gave Satan a lot of power. I say gave it to him. They felt like he had more power than what he did. They felt like, obviously, these guys had like talked themselves into believing that Satan could have power over Jesus. Of course, they're still not believing that he's truly the Son of God and that he's here to do all the things that we knew the Messiah was going to come and do. And Jesus has to come in and he has to say, Look, I've come to be the strong man. I've come to take him over. I have bound him up. I have come after what is mine. I have come to set you free. I mean, this is, this is fantastic news for us today. I mean, amazing, amazing stuff. This whole opposite, opposite deal. You know, they're, they're, they're grasping for straws. I was having this conversation with London yesterday. 
were having lunch after her soccer game, and she had a good soccer game. She was all jacked up and excited about that. And, uh, and I, I don't really even remember what she was talking about. <laughs> just, I just remember that she called herself the opposite opposite. And I looked at her, and I was like, so you're the same? And she was like, what? She's like, no, I'm the opposite opposite. I was like, that's the same. And she was like, no, it's not. It's the opposite. I was like, no, that would just be the opposite. <laughs> She's like, well, I'm the opposite opposite. And I was like, well, that's not going to work real well. Let me illustrate it for you with this French fry and onion ring. You know? <laughs> so we're sitting there at the restaurant, and I was like, so let's just say that the opposite of the French fry is the onion ring. And so you're going to say that you're the, if, if you start here, the op, you're the opposite opposite that's the same and she's like no it's not <laughs> she could argue with the wall uh come to the house I'll let her argue with you sometime <laughs> Jesus is flipping this whole thing on its head and let's just face it it's driving these guys crazy it's driving these guys crazy that they that they, that they are possibly wrong about the things that they've been teaching, and that they're possibly coming into question with all these things, not that they've just been teaching, but the things that they have believed. And it's leaving them shaking in their boots. It goes on. It goes on. Verse 28 brings about a very important passage of Scripture for us today. Verse 28 says this. It says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemes they utter. Now, before I even read this next verse, let me, let me help you to understand something. Jesus is saying this as a warning, and he's warning them. He's, he's warning them, you are treading on very serious ground. And he goes on right here in verse 29, he says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Alright, so, so what? Wait a second. Did, did we just read that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven? Absolutely. That's what we just read. Can you believe that? I mean, aren't we, aren't we a church who teaches all the time that, that there's not a sin under the rainbow that, that Jesus can't forgive? That the blood that he shed on the cross isn't enough to cover it? Absolutely. We preach that and teach that every day of the week here. That's wholeheartedly the message of the gospel. Then what's, the, what's this? What's this idea that there's a sin that we might not be forgiven of? What is, what is this blaspheming of the Holy Spirit? Let's read through it again. Verse 28, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemes they utter. So even the blasphemes they utter, that's, that's forgiven. Okay, what, what, what in the world? But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. Never has forgiveness. Like, like not just that one thing is not forgiven. You don't get any forgiveness. Period. That's big. That's big. I, I got to tell you, over the years, as I've been a pastor through student pastor days and pastor pastor days, whatever you want to call it. Um, over the years, I've had people come to me, I mean, just worried, sick, that, 
that they can't be forgiven. I've had people, I've, I've talked to people, maybe, maybe you've been there at some point in your life where you've thought to yourself, man, God, God can't possibly forgive me. I mean, the stuff that I have done in my life, my gosh, there's no way that God would forgive me. I've done this, I've done that, whatever. And I've had these conversations with so many people over the years. And, and by the way, if you have conviction over your sin, that's a good thing. Okay, that's where we want to be. When we don't have conviction over our sin, that's when we need to be worried. That's when we need. That's when we need to. That's when we need to have some Jesus time. Okay, like we just need to like get get with the Lord and be like, God, I, I realize, you know, of course, even there, you know, conviction is what's leading us back to Him uh, and all that. But anyway, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're and we're seeing some of that here in this passage. So Jesus says, Jesus says. Whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Well, so what, then what's this sin? What's this sin? Because nobody, I mean, nobody wants to be guilty of that. Nobody that, is, nobody that is truly interested in the kingdom of God and following Jesus and being a child of God. I mean, we don't want, we don't want to fall into that, right? I mean, that's not something that we want to do. He says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. So what is it? What is it? Is it taking the Lord's name in vain? I mean, it kind of sounds the same, right? Blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Is that taking the Lord's name? No, that's not it. Well, it's not good, you know, but that's not it. It's a forgivable sin. So what is it? Is it, is it adultery? No. Worse than that. Is it murder? No. Worse than that, I, I, I know murderers. I know people who have killed people. They have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I, I can introduce you to some of those people. What is it? This is what it is. It's the ongoing rejection of the Holy Spirit's leading when it comes to us seeing Jesus as the Son of God, our Savior, the Redeemer of sins. It is the continual pushing back against God trying to lead us through the Holy Spirit to believe the truth about Jesus. Okay? And just to put that in a nutshell, we'll call it this. It is the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of unbelief. Makes a lot more sense when we say it that way, right? You think about it for a minute. I mean, we're forgiven of all sin, but we have to believe to be forgiven. Well, the sin of unbelief is the thing that keeps us from believing, which is keeping us from the grace that God has for us and wants to give us, which by the way, and let's be real clear today, is a work that only He has done and we can't earn it. I can't be good enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't do enough nice things. We can't give away enough food. We could do food drives all over the world. We could go on tour doing food drives. We could give away clean water. We could give money to all the greatest things. We could sell all of our possessions and give all those things away uh, to needy causes or whatever. And at the end of the day, God is not sitting there going, oh, this one's good enough and this one's not. Jesus comes and He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Me. It is only by the blood of Jesus, it is only by the sacrifice that He made on the cross, it is only by an empty tomb that we can be forgiven. He's done the work. We can't do that work. 
We weren't perfect sacrifices. Jesus went before the judge, God the Father, and said, I'll take theirs. Everyone that's believing in me, I'll take theirs. I'll take their lumps, put me in prison, kill me on the thing, and that's what we did, and that's what he did. He allowed us to kill him on the cross, to be the sacrifice, to take the death that we deserve for our sin. Sin deserves death. Sin separates us from God. Through Jesus, we can come back and be a part of the family. And so, no wonder... When, when, when these guys start making these crazy accusations, which I really believe is just because they're so mad. They're so ticked off about the fact that he's put into question things that they've been teaching. And all of a sudden, all of these people that have always looked to them as being like the religious, most religious people that have all the answers and all that stuff. And all of a sudden they're not. That they're so mad that they're like, well, let's let, uh, imagine the meeting went something like this. Well, I, I, let's just say that let's just say that he's possessed by Satan, and and that'll that'll show him, and then people will start to question him, and and we'll just say that he's doing that because uh, Satan's allowing him to do it, to throw him off. And no wonder Jesus has to come, and he's like, wait a second. First of all, your argument actually leads right back to the reason that I came, even though it's not a true argument. If it were true, it's still ushering in the kingdom of God because it's saying that that kingdom is going to come to an end. Secondly, here's why I've come, and I'm going to tell you through a parable, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. I've come to take over the strong man. I am binding him up, and I am coming to take you back. I am here to set you free. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. The sin of unbelief is trading truth for a lie. It is adopting truth that Jesus has come to do this for us as a lie and saying, I choose to not believe and I reject the Holy Spirit leading me to try to believe that. You ever have anybody in your life that, like, it doesn't matter what you tell them, they do the opposite? I got a friend of mine. He will call me and other friends too. We got, I got a couple friends that, like, we talk about him, like, unashamedly, and we tell him that we talk about him. You know, but we, we talk, and, you know, he'll call me for advice. You know, well, what do you think I should do about this, whatever? You know, and I'll, you know, I'll give him, like, best godly advice I think that I can possibly come up with. My other friend's doing the same thing. He's talking to us both. And then, lo and behold, he'll go out and do the exact opposite thing. And, you know, every once in a while I get that. Every time? Like, what is wrong with him? You know? That's a little bit of what it really looks like. For the sin of unbelief, it's believing that something that you know deep down in your heart is true and deciding to go the other way with it and go, no, that's, I'm going to take that as a lie and I'm going to reject that. The ongoing rejection of the leading of the Holy Spirit is the sin of unbelief. God is trying to lead us in this life to see what He has for us as a life. You know, for us as a believers, let's take this, let's take this notion because uh, I know we're talking a whole lot about people that don't believe right now. For those of us that are believers, 
We also struggle with the sin of unbelief. Now, the unbelief sin that we struggle with is one that we can be forgiven for because we know Christ. But where we struggle with it is in these little things of day-to-day life where we just... We, we know what we should do, or we know where God is leading us, but we just choose to do the other thing anyway. And basically what we're saying is we're saying, God, I know deep down in my heart that that's probably the right thing, but I'm going to choose to do this because right now I'm going to believe that this is the right thing. I'm going to play God, and I'm going to decide for myself. Instead of doing what I know you want me to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's just something that we need to be careful of. It's not something that causes us some eternal, you know, hiccup. Let me read this for you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great pastor of the ages, said this. It says, Common people say of the devil that he is seen sometimes in one shape and sometimes in another. Now, we, we get that. Like, we, we, we kind of have that notion that Satan appears to us in different forms and tempts us through different things. It says that he is seen sometimes in one shape and sometimes in another. He says this, I am sure this is true of Satan's firstborn child, unbelief. He says, I am sure that this is true of Satan's firstborn child, unbelief, unbelief for its forms are legion. And Satan, Satan is attacking us. He attacks us, man. And, and, you know, a lot of times I just don't think we see it. I know, I know for me personally, a lot of times I'm not seeing it for what it is. And the emotions run high and all the stuff that's going on. And you just, I mean, it's, it's real easy like, to, like, let's just pick this person and let's just be mad at them. Or let's, you know, and, and the truth is that Satan is at work against anything and anybody that is at work for the kingdom of God. Satan, Satan doesn't come against people that are working for the kingdom of him, the kingdom of sin, his firstborn child. No, Satan is, Satan, is, Satan is working against us, those people that are trying to pursue Jesus. And I think what ends up happening is, is, is it becomes a focus issue for us. And that's what was, that's what was going on with these people right here. Their focus issue was way off. Their focus issue, instead of humbling themselves and and seeking the Lord in that moment and going, God, is this guy really the Messiah? And is he trying to lead us in the right direction? And all those things. Instead of that, they took on the, let's just label these guys, okay? Let's just label these, let's just label this guy. Let's just label Jesus and let's just, let's just want to cast him out. Let's try to kill him. Let's try to destroy him. Let's get a bunch of people together and have a good old posse hunt and just take him out. Their focus was one that is negative. I'm going to tell you, our, our, our focus, man, we, we, we struggle with this. We as a people struggle with being negative people. This day and age, we are so negative. I mean, you get on social media and so much of it is negative. Uh, the news, you know, what, whatever. Pick your flavor. I don't care. You know, conversations, are they negative? Are they positive? Do we like to talk about the good things going on? And, you know, or do we, you know, is it, is it just negativity? We, you know, we, we open up social media and immediately look at, 
the things going on in there and go, well, look at them. They've got a much better life than me. You know, look at how perfect they've got everything going on over there. You, you have no idea how hard it is for me to get a family picture. You have no idea. I'm, I'm just, I'm here to tell you. At any given time, we've got at least one kid that absolutely will not smile if she isn't wanting to hide. And then we got, you know, other kids that are basically like beating each other in the head, you know. You finally, like you, you can work, you can work. We've had, we've had photographer friends of ours work with us for like hours to get some decent looking picture. And then of course, like that's the, that's the picture we want to put out, right? Forget, forget the two and a half hours of anguish and the weeping and gnashing of teeth that comes from my children, you know, while we're sitting in a field being all eat up by chiggers, right? Forget all that. Look at this. Look at that perfect picture of the royalties, you know, that gum. And that's what we do. We look, we look at that stuff and we go, man, oh, they got it all. To, those people got it together right there. Our ability to focus on the negative is influencing our lives in negative ways. And it is taking the place. We are allowing it to take the place of focusing on the things of God. Let me just, just case point, just a couple things. We focus on the things that aren't going right with our life. We focus on the things that are not going right with our jobs. Man, don't get somebody started on their jobs, right? You know, like, well, how's your job going? Oh, you don't even want to know. Got this guy up here, doesn't know what he's doing. I'm trying to train him. You know, oh, this lady, she's driving me nuts. I'm going to either kill her or quit. I'm not sure which. We can focus on the negative things in our jobs. We can focus on the negative things in our relationships with the people around us. That could be family, whatever. We focus on the negative things at our church. Man, there's, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things where we fall short as a church. We know that. We know that. Start making the list. And, what, and listen, once you get the list going, the list just keeps on going. You know? Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, what is whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. FYI, let me just remind us, Paul is writing this from prison. Prison. He in prison, is helping us to be reminded that we should focus on good things. What? Whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, commendable, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, he says. Think about these things. And he goes on, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And there it is again. That whole God of peace thing. God of peace. And we're over here like, no, I'm just going to be, you know, negative nanny 
It's not Nancy, because it's no such thing as negative Nancy's. I've never met any. <laughs> we had a whole thing about it in the first service. You missed out. That's why everybody's been talking to you beforehand. So, yeah, we're going to be over here all like negative nanny and like, you know, everything's bad. And you know what? No wonder, no wonder nothing's happening with us spiritually with other people in our lives. They see us that are supposed to be light and they see misery. Right? They're, they're, and we're all like, you know, if they if there were even to ask us about Jesus and our Savior, this is what they would get from us. Oh yeah, no, it's it's good. You know, Jesus is good. He died for your sins. You you should totally like come be a part of what's going on. And uh, he he loves you. Let me tell you what that light is dim, right? And it's not really dim. We're just dim, because we're dim wits. What God has done for us is amazing. <laughs> Jesus tells these guys, he's like, hey, I came over and took over the strong man's house because I've come to rescue you. He thought you were his. I've come to bind him up and take you back. You are mine. You are part of my family. And Jesus has brought, ushered in the kingdom. Okay, going back to this. Ushered in the kingdom. And in doing so, He is starting the restoration process. With every one of our lives. He's starting the restoration process. I got to tell you, it's been killing me this week. Killing me this week. I confessed my love for the Broncos. Not the team, okay? Talking about the Ford trucks from the 60s and 70s, all right? I confessed my love for the Broncos a couple weeks ago and how I had one and blah, blah, blah. Well, this week in Townsend, Tennessee, and it's been all over my Facebook feed, probably because I keep clicking on all the pictures. Uh, but, and, and they're like, oh, this guy really likes Broncos. That's weird. Uh, you know, but, so I've been, I've been watching people literally from all over the world have been coming to Townsend, Tennessee, and I'm like, why am I not there with these people who, who know what is good and, and pure and true and all these things? And, and so, you know, I'm thinking, I just go, but I've been watching all these pictures. And, and one of the things I love, one of the things I love about, you know, getting to see that stuff and going, anytime I get to go to a car show even of any kind, is I love seeing the different, the different things that people do with the cars. I, you know, I, 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 grow, I grow weary of like, you know, people are like, oh, you like Mustangs. I got a, you know, 60, you know, six convertible that's red and a black top. I'm like, yeah, I'm bored with that. Like, I want to put a cage in one and turn it into a track car and make it something stupid looking. Uh, you know, I, I love seeing the different types of restorations. The different restorations. And they come in so many forms and fashions, so many different colors, so many different things, so many different finishes. And I look around, and right here in this room, I see God doing all kinds of different restorations ongoing, in-process restorations. Till the day we die, that's what it is. Jesus came to usher in the kingdom, and in doing so, He's come to restore things. Relationships, 
Ministry, I'm seeing ministry being restored right around here in front of our eyes right now. I hope that you're seeing it. I'm seeing, I'm seeing God start new churches, that the gospel is going to go out, that people will know about him. I'm seeing people right now in, in this body come back to Jesus. People that have kind of walked away from their faith at times, maybe because they've been too busy, maybe they didn't really like mean to walk away, walk away, but they, but they kind of did. And I'm seeing right now God bringing some of those people back to him to continue the restoration process. Seeing people released from their sin, being set free. We forgot how good that is. How good is it that God has come to tie up what we thought was the strong man and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm the stronger man and I'm going to bind him up and I'm going to set you free. There are restorations all around us. You want something to focus on? Focus on that. Focus on that. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't and Paul talks about this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't from time to time take account of our own lives, look at our own sin, uh, or look at issues that we have going on, or even in ministry. That's a good thing for us to do from time to time. And we got to move on those things and follow the Lord and His leading on those things. But those aren't the things for us to spend our time focused on, not the negative things. Paul says if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The kingdom where people have been held captive will now be set free. The new kingdom has come. And Jesus has come to say, believe it. You see, the only unpardonable sin is choosing not to believe. Don't be there. Let me me just say to you today, if God is speaking to your heart, don't push back on that. Listen to that. Let, let, let's, let somebody, let one of us pray with you today before you leave about that. Whatever he's, whatever he's leading you and understanding, maybe, maybe he's revealing himself in, a, in some new way to you that is, is kind of got you a little jacked up or whatever. Let me just say to you, listen to the Lord. Listen to what he's saying today. Be reminded of the truth of what God has done in sending his son Jesus to die for us to create an opportunity for us to be set free. All we have to do is believe. He's done all the work. It's a gift. All we can do is receive it. It is grace. May we believe it. Let's pray together. God, we come to you today and we just ask, Lord, for you to continue to help us to understand more and more every day your calling on our life to be a part of your kingdom. God, may we be about your kingdom, Lord, and not our own. God, help us. Help us Help us with the small moments of unbelief where we don't trust you to, to know what, that the truth is good for every moment. God, help us with those moments. God, for the, for the one that's here, the, the one that's listening right now and hearing this, Lord, that hasn't believed in you yet, God, I pray, Lord, that you would combat that unbelief with working in their heart through the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to them. May they trust in you today. May they understand today. Maybe something that they haven't 
before that you have sent your son to die for us, to take the death for us that we deserve because of our sins. God, lead them. Lead us to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.